1: Here are your
2: hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I'm your Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And, of course, I'm joined in studio once again by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Good
0: evening again, Rebecca. How Good are you? Good
2: evening. I am wonderful. I'm Thank excited you. about this show. This this one's more positive than the one we did last week. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. We are very happy about some of the information we're going to be speaking about here. But um, connected to the beginning of our show last time, we were talking about Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And when that was initially written, the law was clearly intended to ban discrimination on a person's sex. The drafting of the law clearly intended sex in terms of its biological definition. Mm
0: -hmm. And for decades, there's been a growing number of people wanting to see the law changed from simple biology to gender identity and sexual orientation. We talked about this at length last week, just kind of the history of how uh, these attempts were certainly shot down in the U.S. Congress But we've seen more of a move uh, to legislation, not legislation, but just arguments that have been made at the court level and decisions now that are starting to come from the judiciary. And in fact, while these efforts uh, to redefine uh, sex uh, have failed for decades, um, these landmark decisions cannot be ignored uh, that Mm -hmm. we saw in June. And they involved first redefining sex under Title VII within federal law. And then ruling in a separate case that federal discrimination laws cannot be applied to leaders of religious organizations. And that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. (laughs) Yes, it is. Very, very, very (laughs) Mm -hmm. encouraging. So, what does all of this mean for freedom of speech and the free exercise of religion in light of the redefinition of the term sex? How could these rulings affect the provisions laid out in Title IX? We talked about that a little bit last week as well when it comes to female participation in sports. It's very interesting to see how these two decisions are going to work together and how people can Mm -hmm. move forward.
2: Right, right. Yep. So joining us in studio tonight to address this, um, the definition to redefine sex and what the coming challenges could be for freedom of speech and the free exercise of religion clause, and then also this more positive ruling um, where federal discrimination laws cannot be applied to leaders of religious organizations, is Renee Carlson. And Renee has a wide variety of legal experience ranging from criminal prosecution to her own private practice with a focus on ministries and nonprofit religious organizations with a passion for advocacy relating to family life and religious freedom. She currently serves as general counsel for true North legal, a new legal initiative in partnership with the Minnesota family council. She is also a Blackstone legal fellow and an allied attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, where she has served as legal counsel on recent federal cases. Renee received her BA from UCLA and law degree from the University of St. Thomas School of Law. Renee, thank you for joining us once again here on Education Nation. Hello. Good nice to, to be again, here. Renee. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yes, you are welcome. And thank you to to you to being able to continue this conversation with us. Absolutely. Well, we spent quite a bit of time discussing the Bostock case last week. And shortly after the ruling in Bostock, a victory for religious freedom came in the U.S. Supreme Court case Our Lady of Guadalupe School versus Morrissey Baru. Would you please share with our listeners the specifics surrounding this case and why the 7-2 ruling in July is a victory for religious freedom?
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's some good news. So yes. you know, we're happy to hear about that. So this case actually answered the question of whether uh, private religious schools are exempt from certain employment lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the court said, actually, yes, they are. And so to kind of unpack that a little bit, what happened there is that um, there's some private Catholic schools um, and the employees brought forth different employment based claims against those schools Mm -hmm. and the schools said um, well we're not subject to those claims because we're religious schools and teaching positions are significantly related to our deeply held convictions of faith here at our school Mm -hmm. and the court upheld that actually the courts had the right to do that because they said that teachers are in fact ministers Mm -hmm. and that the school has the latitude to hire and fire accordingly. And mm-hmm. the listeners might say, wait, teachers are ministers? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So that goes back to um, the case of Hosanna Tabor, which had a similarly you know, situated case where a teacher sued a school um, and then the court said, sorry, you know, this case isn't going to go forward because they set out the minister. Actually, they, that's when they developed the legal doctrine um, mm-hmm. called the ministerial exception. Mm-hmm. And this is a legal doctrine that basically holds that the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment protects the right of religious organizations to hire and fire consistent with the values of the school as they see fit Mm -hmm. to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, And so significantly, these protections aren't based on titles, like the title of minister. Yep, they're actually based on the job description and specifically the incorporation of religious instruction within the school day. Mm -hmm. So the court essentially affirmed Hosanna Tabor and then in this case, Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Guadalupe, and Mm -hmm. I think affirmed it even more so and made more clear that religious schools and organizations have a significant kind of autonomy, specifically um, with respect to personnel decisions and daily operations. And of course, you know, That's really good news. Mm -hmm. And in this decision, Alito also expressed that, um, you know, a minister isn't a check-the-box analysis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these teachers didn't have to satisfy yes or no questions by the court in order for the schools to... to extend this ministerial mm-hmm. exception mm-hmm. in defense. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that's good news. Um, schools will benefit from these types of protections as well as many religious organizations. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do think is pleasingly surprising here is that this is a case where some of the liberal justices actually came mm-hmm. over to the conservative side and agreed. Right. Um, which were the two that did? Or three? Two. To the the, the dissenting justices yeah. of Ruth Bader
1: Ginsburg and Sotomayor and everybody okay. else was okay. all the the others everybody were else was the, there you know and that includes wonderful. Kagan. And mm-hmm. so, you know, very mm-hmm. interesting there. But mm-hmm. it's, again, a really great affirmation that is. in this in this sort of context, that the court doesn't feel like it's their business to kind of meddle in and really dig deeply on, are you religious enough? Are you really mm-hmm. teaching? You know, right. well, how much religion are you teaching? You know, let's right. have a litmus test. And if you're teaching, right. you know, your day consists of three quarters right. of religious <laughs> instruction, then you're a minister. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we know, um, you know, those of us who are are a part of private schools, as you are, private mm-hmm. religious schools, mm-hmm. or who send our children there, that it really is foundational to all we do. It absolutely and is. And, you know, especially in the yes. younger grades, um, oh, you know, if you th-
2: I wouldn't even say especially. All the way through. Well, there you Sorry. go.
1: <laughs> you can take <laughs> that to the yes. court. But, I mean, you know, it's, it, it really yeah. encompasses everything. You take, especially, let's say, science,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's going to be foundational to what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's arguments that that some subjects are purely secular, and how could you extend this mm-hmm. protection- To particularly um, secular subjects, but at a private religious school, I don't think anything's no.
2: There's not a division between sacred and secular in a in a in a truly faith based school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, as the head of Liberty Classical Academy, I can assure you that the the teachers are all integrating that Christian faith into every subject that they're teaching Mm -hmm. all the way through 12th grade. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I would actually say that it's even more important at the high school level because that's where kids are starting to really form their own thoughts and opinions. And so it's critical that they're getting that every day that in every class that they're having that opportunity to discuss and, and, you know, look at other topics related to faith and look at other Faith Journeys, other types of faith, and compare that to the christian one and and so if we can 't do that in, or if we if we can 't hire teachers that are coming from that same perspective, right. you can imagine what that mm-hmm. would do to our classrooms mm-hmm.
1: and you know interestingly, the court. Um, did mention that this again applies to all faiths yeah. so liberty yes. classical academy is a christian school mm-hmm. but there are muslim schools and there jewish are jewish schools, schools and yeah. there mm-hmm. you know there are all kinds mm-hmm. of religious schools that need to have that latitude yes. because what is religious freedom otherwise you're gutting it you're just right. completely
2: gutting the program altogether mm-hmm. if you if you have to you might as well just be a public school at that point mm-hmm. you know um yeah so that's it is it's really really wonderful news the other thing that's interesting to me um, that I that I hope I'm sorry we should no, get onto some of these Go other ahead. questions, but um, I I know that at one time you and I had an offline conversation a long time ago actually about um, like lunchroom people or your custodian, and yet even even those individuals we still want them to subscribe to that Christian faith and let that be a part of who they are because they have to conduct themselves around students. They still have to sometimes correct students in the hallways. That's right. They're they're still having some student interaction. And so they would still be ministers of the faith. Um, Maybe not. Maybe they're not looking at it that way. But I I hope they do because I believe that every element of the school day needs to come from that perspective because they are interacting with kids. Mm -hmm. So. That's a question that the courts,
1: prob- you know, may have to have to answer. But we do know for sure at this point that the teachers, for sure, um, the teachers, mm-hmm. for sure. But there's yeah. there's continued conversations and speculation about what that means. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but generally, um, you know, schools need to be conscientious about who they're hiring and that mm-hmm. you know everybody's in agreement with what the mission statement means right. and what does it mean to be an employee of the this organization mm-hmm. and the values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: The Guadalupe case, it's a green light now that's come from the Supreme Court to keep going. And I think, you know, obviously the important thing is to keep the foot to the gas while the momentum is there. How how do lawyers like yourself, in fighting to preserve religious freedoms, how do you build upon this legal victory?
1: Well, you know, I think one— when- particularly important concept to keep in mind that we talked about last at the last show Mm -hmm. really is that cases that support religious freedom are a win for everybody. Mm -hmm. And people really need to keep that narrative out there. And they need Mm -hmm. to keep speaking to this case in those terms. Again, tolerance is a two-way street. And if we want to engage in diverse opinions, we need to maintain the legal ability to have those diverse Mm -hmm. opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking to the future, we certainly know that there's a leg to stand on. I think that it emboldens um, you know, and probably Rebecca, you could speak to this you know, more than I could with your involvement um, as a headmaster at a mm-hmm. religious school. But it, it should embolden religious organizations, um, including churches, to to um, hold themselves out and not be afraid to be too religious. Mm-hmm. And I think it serves to inform organizations also that they need to really hold tight to their values and their doctrine mm-hmm. and they need to clearly express what those are. Um, in Within this case, you know, as I was reading it, I was paying attention to how the schools portrayed the responsibilities of the teachers and how they tied those expressly and explicitly to the job descriptions. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it also serves to inform those organizations who are religious to be very clear about your expectations mm-hmm. because just because someone identifies um, with a particular religion doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's on the same page as to mm-hmm. what that means, right. especially when it comes to some of the more controversial issues yes. that could
2: lead to some of these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that is very important, the job descriptions and, and just keeping in mind that, you know, if, if you want your lunchroom coordinator and your custodian to reflect Christian values, then that needs to be part of their job description. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good point. Well, what is the ultimate goal that the LGBTQ community is really working toward, as it pertains to themselves, and what does the community envision for government in helping them achieve that goal? Well, I'm
1: um, switching gears here a little bit, I guess, and, yeah. and I'm I'm not you know intimately involved, obviously, in their lobbying and their planning, but mm-hmm. um, I well aware of the issues and and things that they they put forward so i just say you know from my vantage point generally i think that their goal is a transformation an attempt to force an ideology inconsistent with biology science and really inconsistent with common sense and you know to that i think for us we should be asking ourselves, wait, what are our goals? Mm -hmm. And what are we doing to move the ball forward? Because Mm -hmm. it's very obvious what others are doing to move the ball forward. Uh, We have nonprofit organizations and lobbyists and others who are convincing courts and legislators that their opinions and their ideas about biology should be the only acceptable and the only lawful opinions. And that Mm -hmm. all others who disagree with them, um, and even in some cases now, um, People will be held liable, mm-hmm. you know, for lesbians we, we talked about last week with mm-hmm. Bostock. Right. You know, people will be held civilly liable, and in our state, people can be held criminally liable mm-hmm. for simply disagreeing and wanting to operate their businesses in accordance with their faith. Mm-hmm. So again, um, this belief really, and, and that's what it is—it's a belief—impacts mm-hmm. every sphere of life, whether we're at work, mm-hmm. school, parental rights, our businesses. Uh, counseling appointments, doctors, it it impacts the control you have over your right. children and their health care. So um, it's certainly a good time to counter these claims with truth mm-hmm. and not to shy away from the evidence that we have and the science that we have mm-hmm. um, and, and really push on. And right. again, it goes back to that, I keep saying it, but just the diversity of opinion. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is an opinion, and especially if it's grounded in faith, we should be able to exercise right. um, our rights accordingly. Right, right.
2: You're listening to uh, Renee Carlson, who is an attorney, and we are talking about the most recent Supreme Court case that um, reinforced religious freedom, the Our Lady of Guadalupe School, and we're just happy to be able to have some good news to share here and and be discussing how that's affecting us. Mm
0: -hmm. The Bostock decision, we'll go back to that just uh, for a moment, certainly draw-jopping. How does it serve to embolden your mission with True North Legal?
1: Well, I think I I said in my article, every battle serves to inform us how to win the war. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's what we're in. I mean, we're really in a culture war and this is a moment of truth. And I think we need to ask ourselves, are we going to protect our rights and stand up for those um, who aggressively violate and disregard them? And where does that leave us? And more importantly, where does that leave our children? Um, You know, Mark, I know you're a sports guy and I think Mm -hmm. a lot about, you know, (laughs) kids and our daughters. And what does that mean when... You know they have these high hopes of participating and and gaining scholarships for their abilities, and then suddenly they're wiped off a podium because a male athlete and that's takes happening. their place. I that's th- happening mean, in Connecticut. Like, well, and in in Alaska
2: that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard of at least five cases that that has happened. Sorry, I didn't mean mm-hmm. to interrupt you. But no, this no, is it's not an isolated incident. Is what I'm trying no, to say. No, it's
1: not, and it's yeah. happening in women's sports. It's happening in women's powerlifting. I mean, you know, we're seeing this, and sports is something that's more than you know just a medal and a trophy. It's mm-hmm. really life development. Yes. And and it's it's just so much more than that. It's teamwork. It's it's life skills. And to to take those hopes away from women, when again, going back to 1964, when opportunities were, you know, created for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're now we're kind of going backwards taking, and yep. taking things away from mm-hmm. them. So, you know, and true north legal is certainly really passionate about advocating, you know, on behalf of on behalf of truth, on behalf of scientific truth and biological realities and and common sense in these regards, um, I think we also need to ask ourselves: Are we going to let diversity and opportunities be taken away? You know, mm-hmm. or are we going to help it flourish by protecting diverse options within our society? And again, you know, at True North Legal, we're doing the best we can to educate people, which is why I'm really delighted to be on your show today, mm-hmm. just to have an opportunity to kind of dig a little deeper and talk more about the impacts. We're also involved in legislative advocacy and training for legislators, helping, mm-hmm. you know, helping our legislative officials really understand and weigh the consequences about what the laws that they pass really mean and mm-hmm. how that's going to impact their constituents in Minnesota. And we're also uh, building a team so that we can engage in the courts and partnering with other legal allies and lawyers who are just as passionate. And we hope to gain some ground and really um, be a significant mm-hmm. advocate on behalf mm-hmm. of people of faith in Minnesota. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One thing that goes through my mind as I consider these two cases, the Bostock case and the Guadalupe case, obviously the Guadalupe case is specifically about a school. Mm -hmm. And so the court is giving leeway to the school for their religious freedom. Um, I think about a counseling um, relationship. Um, I know that if I were to seek counseling, I would want it being given to me from the perspective of the Christian faith because that is so much a part of who I am. Both spiritually and emotionally. And, and so I would want that kind of perspective from a uh, counselor. Mm-hmm. So do you think there'd be room, at least in the realm of counseling, for there to be a similar ministerial exception?
1: Are you saying counselors in um, like private religious schools? Mm-hmm.
2: No, I'm saying in their own businesses, in their own practices. Oh, their own like with respect to... The fact that they you were saying last show that they can't um that oh, there are conversion that therapy bands yes sure yes. so and no, i, mean, I don't just know a lot about conversion therapy yeah. so obviously there could be some elements of it that are really horrendous right um but i, I don't know <laughs> but yeah well i mean
1: if just on on that that quickly um last year if anyone orders in 2019 there's a significant battle in the legislature here in our state um, with an attempt to um, pass a con- what they're calling a conversion therapy ban, and what it really is is it's a counseling ban. It's a ban on speech, that was and me. the government has no business um, in you know oh, they regulating okay. regulating okay. speech in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what those um, who are in support of these counseling bans are saying is that they're really regulating conduct. But what they're what they're asking for is they're not asking for an, a ban on an egregious. Um, Practice. What they're asking for is a ban on speech. They're mm-hmm. asking for a ban on a viewpoint um, that is different from their own. Right. And that's really dangerous because mm-hmm. they don't want somebody. You know, there's multiple people who testified about their conversions and mm-hmm. about how they lived in a specific lifestyle and how through counseling. They found healing and freedom, and a lot of it was, you know, specific to their faith, mm-hmm. um, and and found peace and wholeness. And if the government passes uh, these types of laws, they're really invalidating somebody else's truth and who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're invalidating the individual fundamentally to the core because that person feels that they have, through a counseling relationship, been able to find hope and healing Mm -hmm. and the government's trying to say nope you're not allowed to do that anymore Mm -hmm. even if you wanted it and asked for it Mm -hmm. um so there are counseling bans um being passed on city ordinance levels now and i believe that there's about seven of them out there and again you know this is the Mm -hmm. summer and so many Mm -hmm. people and with covid are not particularly paying attention to some of the these issues going on right now and and they're they're flying out the door so it's something that we need to pay attention to because, as you said, mm-hmm. and we've talked about with precedent, it's it's building blocks. Mm-hmm. And so if it's okay to ban this, then what next? Right. So mm-hmm. it's, yes.
2: Um, you have written that our culture's slow but sure slide to a false narrative on sex can no longer be ignored. What steps can people take, or start taking anyway, to make investments in their communities?
1: Well, first I just want to say that I understand um, the difficulty in engaging in hard topics Mm -hmm. and i think that that's one of the most significant reasons why people choose not to engage at all they don't Mm -hmm. want to seem judgmental Mm -hmm. they don't want to um, have divisive relationships with neighbors but in fact what we really need to be doing is talking about these issues and we need to be talking about these issues with our neighbors Mm -hmm. Uh, we need to educate ourselves and be informed so that we can have these conversations with our neighbors Um, this isn't just you know an issue that is specific to a public school or a private school or even, you know, specific homeschool issues. This Mm -hmm. is something that's going to affect every part of our society because, Mm -hmm. you know, as I just said, precedent affects everything. So, you know, I think one of the most significant things people can do is educate themselves. Mm -hmm. Second, I think people need to have these conversations on the sidewalks. That is what the LGBTQ lobbying groups are doing. Um, they're having these one-on-one conversations and that's something that we need to be doing mm. too and we don't need mm. to be afraid of just expressing our opinions. Mm-hmm. we can do it lovingly and we can mm-hmm. do it in a you know respectful manner, mm-hmm. but we also have the freedom to disagree. Another thing that people need to be doing is paying attention to what's happening at the local level. Mm-hmm. people um, you know can certainly run for city council mm-hmm. run running for school board positions is a great way mm-hmm. to get involved and you know i would challenge you know some of our younger listeners if there's any out there to take it one step further than instagram and why don't you put yourself <laughs> right. in the seat mm-hmm. of the city council or why don't you put yourself in the seat of the school board and mm-hmm. you know for school boards you don't have to have kids right. um in the school in fact sometimes you don't even have to live in the district what there oh are goodness, minnesota local control you know hmm and and so I, so find opportunities to express your voice. And if being in one of those positions just isn't going to work for you, having conversations with those who are in those positions is really helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. people think that my opinion doesn't matter. But as I've said before, you know, going back to Obergefell, you know, the reason why the Supreme Court took that case is because they felt like they felt like the country was ready mm-hmm. to make that decision. And so mm-hmm. let's you know things kind of percolate up to the top. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to make a strong impression about who we want to be as a state and as, you know, various cities. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, a lot of this is happening at the local level. So really getting involved at the local level Mm. is great. Mm. Talking to your legislators, of course, Mm -hmm. holding them accountable, Mm -hmm. making sure they understand when they are voting yes or no, what that really means. And if you have something to say or information to provide for them, it's been my experience that on both sides of the aisle, all legislators are very willing to talk to their constituents and are certainly grateful for getting information. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's, in, that's a nice encouragement, Renee.
1: Yeah. Something encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you discussed earlier your work at True North Legal. How can listeners get in touch with you for further information or follow-up relating to what we've been talking about the last two weeks?
1: Yes, they can um, email us at info at org. Okay. So info true. at t r u e. N O R T H L E G A L dot
2: org. Similar to ours at nationmn.org. That's right. (laughs) No, that is, it is really encouraging to know that you are on this and that your team is on this. And, you know, I just want to emphasize, as I have often in other um, podcasts when we've been on this topic, is that that there is a love for all people. And that it's not about, do we love these individuals that would choose these lifestyles? In fact, I would say that we love these people so much that Mm -hmm. you would want to see them have healthiness and um, to think that that an opportunity to be healthy, if they wanted to be, Mm -hmm. would be taken away from them um, as a result of a local City council making that decision is mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do think that we need to make sure that people are aware of that and that they are contacting. I feel like that's been a strategy more and more lately is to see things happening at the state, at the city level. Very much. And uh, you never used to see that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last couple of years, this has been a strategy that's been used more of a percolating from the bottom up rather than going for the top down. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more, um, might I say, subversive. It takes you by surprise a little bit more because you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Well, I
0: think people, too, are starting to wake up to the reality that if they want to see true change, it's going to really happen at the local level as mm-hmm. opposed to putting all of your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. for what's going mm-hmm. on at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. we, you know, we can't uh, predict everything that the Supreme Court's going to right. do. And so we need to be able to, you know, engage at the local level Mm -hmm. and that's what we should do and I think you know we've talked about government principles Mm -hmm. our engagement at the local level is important and it brings a community together and I think we strengthen each other even when we have differing opinions you know we come to resolve Mm -hmm. how much better is that than a divided community Mm -hmm. so prayerfully people will start speaking Mm -hmm. and speaking um, in love Mm -hmm. and in Mm -hmm. kindness Mm -hmm. and also um, not be afraid to share the truth
2: and then supporting those that do Um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we hear a lot about the cancel culture today, and this mob rule, this mob think that happens when somebody does have the courage or the gall to speak out. Mm -hmm. Um, they they get just immediately slammed, and I think we need to be more willing to stand up in defense of people that are speaking out. um, That are coming under some, especially when they're speaking it in love. (laughs) Versus, um, you know, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of bad talk out there, but um, when when people are genuinely trying to just speak uh, the truth and love, or just speak their own thoughts and opinions, um, I just think we need to be able to come alongside and say, hey, we need to support that. Mm-hmm. So, well, Renee, it's been so interesting having you on to talk about these two cases, and we are very glad for your expertise, and your willingness to share it with us. So thanks for joining us these last couple of shows. And thank you, Mark, for all of your incredible research, as always. It's great to be here, and as always. Thank you. Always enjoyed doing shows with you. And we hope our listeners have enjoyed these shows. And we do ask that you would go back and look at our podcast from today and other uh, previous podcasts at ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. And then we'll see you again next Saturday night at 6 p.m. on t- AM 1280 The Patriot i uh-huh.